0: Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author Phil Moser. Well, Acts chapter 8 is our text this morning, so you stand with me for the reading of the word. And we will pick up the reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And here is what we read. I'm going to need some help finding that. There we go. Uh, Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You may be seated. One of the things we understand about the book of Acts is that it's titled The Acts of the Apostles. But it may be better understood as the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Over and over again, you see the Holy Spirit operative. And here you see the Holy Spirit very operative. And by way of reminder, this is New Testament history. I know it's a couple thousand years old, but it's about to jump right up into your contemporary world because you might say, well, you know, sharing the gospel and and preaching, that's That's for pastors to do, or elders to do, or those who are ordained to do, or those who are gifted to do. But Philip is not an elder. He's a servant in the church. He was one of those early deacons. He's one who was serving in the church. He's a layperson, and yet God was using him. And what I want you to see is it isn't him. It's the Holy Spirit who has told him to go, and he's gone. And he discovers that the Holy Spirit does three things. The Spirit in God enables, the Spirit of God arranges, and the Spirit of God ministers. And it's my hope that by the time I'm done here in the next uh, 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes or so, you'll be able to say, ooh, I'm beginning to see how the Holy Spirit is working even through me. Here's the first one. The Spirit of God enables us during our most difficult of times. Sometimes we think that just because things are going well, that must mean God's, God's blessing us. But sometimes God blesses us with difficulties too. And that's what we see here. In fact, um, C.S. Lewis captured it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Having come back from Ukraine, I will tell you this. Suffering can turn people to God and cause them to be far more dependent on God than prosperity can. God uses our suffering. He uses our difficulties. Now, you may remember when we first started this series in Acts a long time ago, we started by talking about Acts one eight that God said, listen, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But here's the thing you want to understand. They liked Jerusalem. Thousands of people started getting saved, and they like hanging with each other. And so they didn't go anywhere. Now look at Acts 8.1. Acts 1, eight said one thing, but look at how Acts 8.1, just reverse the numbers and see what happens. And there arose in that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles stay behind, but everybody else goes. Why? Because of the persecution. this is why I said to the Ukrainian church when I was there, listen, um, church corporate, not an individual church, because there were multiple churches there. I said, listen, you guys are called to go. I I know we're praying for you here, but you're called to go, to take the gospel, be fruitful as you multiply the gospel to the rest of the world. Now, now in Acts chapter 8, last week, when Pastor Scott was preaching through that, you came upon the first of these, Samaria And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. But jump forward to our text today, and here's what we see. In Acts chapter 8, verse 39, And when they came up out of the water, that's after the Ethiopian is baptized, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Which meant in that one moment of time, the gospel just left the Middle East, and went down into Africa. That's right. It went from J- Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to Ethiopia, the uttermost parts of the earth, from Jerusalem. Okay? And the point is this, that that's the purpose, but they weren't going to go without some degree of suffering. And that's why during the most difficult times we face, that's often when the Spirit of God may be working most actively. I uh, mentioned that I was with uh, 25, some, or some 25 missionaries my first two days there. And then I traveled to the location right outside of Kiev where I was going to speak uh, at the seminary the following week. And I, and I had a Sunday morning service there where I was preaching that morning. And um, the first guy I met is this young man right here. Okay. Now, if you look at him, you will notice that he is smiling. I'm just going to tell you, I never saw Oleg all week long where he wasn't smiling. Okay, so here's my conversation with him the first time I meet him. Okay, he's about young thirties, right? I said to him, "Hi, Oleg, where are you from?" Because you travel here to church. He said, "Well, I used to be from this town, but my apartment was destroyed." Okay, he said, and he's still smiling. Okay, while he's telling me this story, he said, "I, uh, I wasn't there. Praise God." All I had was my backpack. So I lost my laptop. I lost everything I owned. He's still smiling, and this is what he says. But look, God's provided clothes for me because people gave me clothes so I I can come to church this morning, and he's still smiling. After that church service, uh, they uh, have a luncheon. That's how they do church there, and so I went down for the luncheon, and there's Oleg behind the counter serving everybody else. F- food with an apron on. And, and there he is, you know. And he's still smiling. Right? And the point is this, that the Spirit of God often works through our difficulties. We need to ask why when we face those difficulties, we're not still smiling. Okay? Maybe it's because we are focused too much on the difficulties and not on what the Spirit of God may de- be doing through us. So the Spirit of God enables us during the most difficult of times. And you see that because Acts 1.8, Acts 8.1, Acts 8.14 and 39 shows you that the gospel went from Jerusalem, some persecution came, then it went to Samaria, more persecution, then it went to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's the second idea. The Spirit of God arranges providential appointments with others who are seeking him. I love this word, and the, the older I get, the more convinced I am that the thing I, of all the attributes and qualities I love about God, I love the providence of God. Which means that God himself is involved in the details. He didn't start this earth, spin it into existence, and then go off someplace else. He is involved in the details. And the more I've begun to think about that, I've begun to realize that we can recognize the providence of God, we can see it working. And here's how. We recognize a providential appointment when the timing, location, and connection are too precise to be a coincidence. Okay? Now, you've probably had those experiences in your life where you'd say, I shouldn't have been here, but I'm here. And this person that I shouldn't have met is here. And the timing of this is too perfect. It's just too perfect. Now, now let's go back to the Acts 8 story, and I'll show you this. Okay? Here we go, verse 27. Now, you may remember that um, this text started in verse 26 by saying that Philip was commanded by the Spirit of God to go to a desolate place, which is like a desert. He's out there. He doesn't even know why he's there. But when he gets there, he sees this Ethiopian. This is a man from Africa who's traveled up to Jerusalem, but now is coming back through a desolate place. And that man had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we already know that this guy is seeking God in some way. But note this. He's not only an Ethiopian, he's not only from Africa, but he's a eunuch. And that was typically the case with those who were in high political office or who were close to the queen because the women would be more protected if the man was a eunuch. And so they would arise to positions of power. He came to Jerusalem to worship. He's coming to Jerusalem to worship. Even though because he is a eunuch, he would not have been allowed in the area there because the law forbid him being in the, uh, in the area of the temple. But still he was coming, seeking God. Now watch, he's returning, and he's seated in his chariot, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Everything about this is so precise. And, and, and Luke is telling us, listen, I just want you to see the precision of this providence. While he's reading the book of Isaiah, uh, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So now... If you're thinking like a Ben-Hur chariot, okay, that's probably not it. Like, if you're thinking, man, Philip's running alongside a Ben-Hur chariot. Like, no, no. They, they typically, the, the, the idea here was that it was more like an ox cart. So Philip, you know, you know, you know those Philips, they're in good shape for being that old, okay? So he's running alongside, kind of a light jog, alongside the chariot, okay? It's an ox cart. And he hears the man reading the book of Isaiah, and he knows now that this is a providential appointment. He knows why he's there. And so he says, while he's running. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come in and sit with him. Maybe that's because Philip was getting a little gassed at that stage from running. Okay, we don't know. Here's what I want you to see. Watch the distinction. We can recognize a providential appointment when the timing, location, and connection are too precise to be coincidence. But watch this you and I are given a chance to participate in providential appointments. We participate in a providential appointment when we respond immediately to the Spirit's prompting without procrastination. Now, for just a moment, know that that means Philip said, the Spirit of God has asked me to do this. I'm going to go down there. I don't even know if there's anybody in this desolate place, but that's where I'm going to go. And can you imagine if if he hadn't responded immediately, if he'd have waited a couple days, the Ethiopian would have been long gone. He goes at the precise time because he doesn't procrastinate. Then he starts to run. Why? Because he sees the man that God wants him to talk to. He doesn't say, it's a chariot for crying out loud. God, I, I don't want to run. Okay? No, he just starts to run. And I love this. Nelson uh, Study Bible adds this note here. Faith in God means being ready to move without explanation. If you are waiting for a bunch of explanations for why you should be involved, if you... If you want to analyze the whole thing, I'm going to tell you, God will use somebody else to accomplish his work. It's a providential appointment, potentially for you. But if you want to take forever to get there, God's going to get it done by somebody else. You say, how do you know that? Because of the story of Esther. Remember what Mordecai says to Esther? Esther's the queen. Um, She is in a unique position of power in a pagan government. But she's Jewish. And Mordecai says, you know, Esther, if you keep silent... At this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. God's not going to let his work finish just because you don't want to participate. But here's the thing. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, you just need to let that settle in for a little bit. Because the relationships that you have, the, the place where you are in life, whether it's older or younger or middle-aged, wherever you are, There are providential appointments around you that you know nothing at all about. But if the Spirit of God prompts you to be involved, you better be involved. Because guess what? God can get his work done through somebody else. But he may have invited you right now to be involved. You say, well, well, I just got to think about it. Okay. Then, look back at this again. Here it is. We participate in a providential appointment when we respond immediately to the Spirit's prompting without procrastination. I love that. Now, you say, well, what's the Spirit's prompting? So let me just unpack that for a second. Because uh, depending, Fellowship Bible Church is now comprised of folks from a lot of different denominations. But they're drawn here because they believe God brought them here and because we're trying to explain the Bible here. Okay? Um, So here's the thing. The thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. He, he doesn't simply bring to you radical ideas to your head. He usually attaches them to a verse, which you're going to see momentarily. Um, we had an Assemblies of God pastor in his retirement years for a while that used to attend here. He w- was a model for me because he was in the community for better than 30 years of ministry, so that's a great model for any pastor, regardless of the denomination. And I remember I had this conversation with him at a restaurant once. I said, okay, I, I didn't grow up in the Assemblies of God movement, so tell me, how do you know when the Spirit of God is moving? What if, what if the Spirit of God tells me to do something that contradicts the Scriptures? Fair question. And I remember what he said. He said, Phil, the Spirit of God never asks you to do something that contradicts the Scriptures. That's how we determine that the Spirit of God is actually speaking to us and isn't just something, some, something else or a mood or a feeling. It's a great reminder. Um, Philip runs the chariot being prompted by the Spirit of God. But know this, it is not in contradiction to the message that was given in Acts chapter 1. You should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And if you catch this guy fast enough, he's going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Just get over there to him, Philip. Okay, so you see that the Spirit of God is working through the Word of God. Let me tell you a couple of providential stories. Providential story from 30, wow, 34 years ago, and then one from just three months ago. 34 years ago, the Iron Curtain fell on the USSR. And I was in seminary, and Kim was in seminary, and we looked a lot younger. And we were invited to the home of uh, the vice president then of the Master's College, Dr. Bob Provost, who later worked with Send International and the Slavic Gospel Association. And he had just been to Ukraine. And there were about five families that were invited to his home that night. This is 35 years ago, before some of you were ever even born. That's how old I am, okay? So, so here's what happens. We go to that room, and that night, I can still remember walking in, seeing the staircase going up. We gather, and Bob tells us that with the Iron Curtain falling, the greatest opportunities for the gospel in the world are going to be in Russia and Ukraine. Okay? There's four families in that room, and Kim and I, all four of those families go to Ukraine. That's right. I remember laying in bed that night in California, staring at the ceiling with Kim, saying, man, like, your dad thought California seminary was a long way from Indiana. Can you imagine what happens if when he comes for graduation, we tell him we're going to Russia? Okay, like, like he's probably going to say, you can go, Phil, if you want. <laughs> okay, the picture was, that seemed so far away. But these four families went. And Greg was one of those families that went. And Greg just faithfully serves, like faithfully serves. But it's through Greg that uh, back in 2004 and 2009, I was invited to go to Ukraine. I'd never written anything. I'd never published anything, but I was invited to go. And one of the coolest moments of my time there was when I walked into the seminary and I came to see the seminary professors, one, two, three, four, the four guys in the back, Those were all students that I had when I was there in 2009. How cool is that? Like, I remember thinking, wow, that was a really good investment of one week in 2009 that I had a chance to work with guys who are now pastors and professors training other pastors. And this young man down front, uh, uh, Bogdan down front, He was my English translator for everything that I was writing, and he'd already turned two of the books because he speaks fluent Ukrainian and English. He'd already turned two of the books into the Ukrainian language because all of them had already been published into Russian. But now he's starting to put them in Ukraine, and he was so faithful that he would stay up pretty late and complete my PowerPoints, translate my PowerPoints for me, both for class as well as for the service. And I began to realize, look, God provides those providential appointments. When God asks you to go, he's got it covered, right? He's got it covered. But that's not the only joy of being over there and providential appointments from 35 years ago. But the first two days that I was there, I spent time with this team. And Matthias is the guy opposite of me here uh, with the beard. And, And Matthias is probably in his 30s. You want to know something about Matthias? Matthias has been to this church, Fellowship Bible Church, but when he was about this tall because his father, for a time being, was a missionary over there. And his father was a missionary that Fellowship Bible Church supported. And so all of a sudden, I have a relationship with this kid that, he's not a kid anymore, but he was this tall. Right? And he showed me remarkable things in pictures. He began to tell me how when the attack first happened... Um, when the attack first happened, he right outside their gates, he showed me pictures of where the, defense, the line of defense was right there. there were, he showed me the rockets. Everything was pictures of that. He said it was all right here. He said there were 2,300 Russian vehicles that came down into a neighboring village. And uh, he said it was, it was only 10 kilometers from us and it was explosions all the time. He said we just lived kind of in that. But he... Um, has has dual citizenship but he chose to stay and a minister there with his other ukrainian brothers that are there you, you say well why is that providential because back in december when uh when i happened to go up to a bible college to speak at on one night matthias was there when i was speaking there and they were showing a documentary about ukraine and i went to see him afterwards just to reintroduce myself And I said, tell me what's happening over there, and and, I spoke to both he and his wife, and I said, tell me what's happening over there. This is just like one of these providential moments. We're crossing, okay? We're crossing precisely at the right time, at the same day, time, and hour, okay? And he said, well, we were given 10,000 Christmas gifts to give away. Um, This is the beginning of December. Ten thousand Christmas gifts to give away because they wanted some kind of musical program. So he said, "Our team of twenty-five missionaries is putting together a musical program to start to minister in the churches where Ukrainian refugee kids are, displaced kids are." And I said, "Wow, that's really cool." Um, now some of you know, I written last year, I wrote a children's book, a Ukrainian children's book, just for Ukrainians to share the gospel. So, I on a whim, just just a whim, okay, I say to him, uh, "Would you like ten thousand children's books to go along with those packages?" And he says, yeah, we'd love that. And then I remember thinking, I don't even know if I can get that, (laughs) I haven't asked the printer. I know I don't have any money for it. Like I don't have anything, right? But guess what? God doesn't need your explanations to do what he wants to do. And so I came back and I said, hey, Jason, can you call Poland and ask him like if they can get us 10,000 books? Um, And Jason said, sure. Now, Jason's Jason with great faith. So Jason doesn't even ask me if we have the money because he knows we don't, okay? So, so anyhow, Jason says, let me call and see. And we had this older gentleman who faithfully drove those books across just a couple days before Christmas to get them into the hands of the Ukrainians in Kiev. And providentially, I call a friend in Chicago and say, listen, um, here's what's needed. This kind of money. He says, "I'm in a hurry, Phil. I gotta go." He hangs up on me. I think, "Well, that was... I maybe mean, I hope I didn't offend him, right?" And he calls me back a few days later and says, "You probably had no way of knowing this, but my wife and I were in the middle of selling our business, and we were in the middle of praying what we're supposed to do with some of this money when you called me. That's why I was in a hurry. I was trying to close the deal, right?" And I said, "Wow, that's amazing." He said, "Just tell me what it is. We're going to write you a check for all the books." And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm just thinking I'm doing this stuff on a whim, right? Not so with God. God is providentially, perfectly arranging times and people and connections. That's how God works. And so I had the privilege when I was there of going to one of those groups of children and introducing them to the book. All of these kids are holding up their books. I'm sitting there thinking, my oh, God, this is, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, just for a moment, know this. These are not Phil's stories. If you step out on faith with a conversation that God has for you, he is also providing you providential appointments. Why do you think you work with the person next to you at the cubicle that's got struggles? Why do you think you know of of a challenge or a neighbor, or they know you? Those are providential appointments. And God says, listen, if you want to participate, jump in. Be a part. If you don't want to participate, I'll get somebody else to do it. But God is arranging providential appointments for you and for me. One final thought. Here it is. The Spirit of God ministers as the Word of God is understood and obeyed. Two things here. Notice that immediately, the Spirit of God ministers as the Word of God is understood and obeyed. The Spirit of God is always working through the Word of God. He's not working in contradiction to the Word of God. He's working through the Word of God. And the text says in Acts chapter 8, so Philip ran to him, that is the Ethiopian, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? This is really important. This is why we teach the Bible at, at Fellowship Bible Church. Because you need to understand the Bible, because it's the only way the Spirit of God is going to use you in somebody else's, somebody else's life. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? Now notice, here comes. How can I, unless someone guides me? Which means Philip's got to have an understanding of the word and the man's situation so that the Spirit of God can bring the word of God to that man and the situation. Beautiful. And here it is. In one sentence... The Spirit of God uses the people of God who use the Word of God to bring people to God. That's it. The Spirit of God uses the people of God to use the Word of God to bring people to God. You don't have to have all the answers when you start to talk to somebody about the Bible and they say, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Just train your lips to say, I don't know, but I'll be glad to find an answer. Okay? You can find the answers to their questions you don't have to feel like you got to know all the answers at the very beginning. You say, well, yeah, but then they won't have any confidence in me if I got to go Google it, okay? Listen, everybody's got to Google it sooner or later, okay? And it shows that you're learning, that you, haven't, you don't have all knowledge, but yet you're still learning. The Spirit of God uses the people of God who use the Word of God to bring people to God. Now, note this as well. The the Ethiopian says, wow, I've been away too long, okay? Verse 31, the Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone guides me? That's the first step, the first step to realizing you need a Savior. It's not having all the answers. No one ever came to Christ in arrogance, period. We can only approach in humility, recognizing our need. If you sit here today and you say, listen, Phil, this is a church of perfect people. Okay, that's what they look like from the back of their heads. But that's not who they look like from the front. Okay? okay, because they're not perfect. We're not perfect. That's a church of a bunch of people who know their Bibles. No, we're learning the Bible. No one ever came to Christ in arrogance, we can only approach him in humility, recognizing our need. Now, for just a moment, here's the text. Here's where they are. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Now, you read that and you immediately say, wow, that's got to be Jesus, right? But the Ethiopian had no understanding of that. He just says, who's the prophet speaking about? Now, for just a moment, appreciate the providence of this moment. And here it is. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. That's it. Take your Bibles and go back with me to Isaiah 53. That's the passage that the man was reading. Isaiah 53. And if you're new to your Bible, um, if you got it, online or something, you'll find it easier. But um, if you're new to your Bible and you don't know where Isaiah is, just go to the table of contents. No shame in that. Look up uh, Isaiah and then find chapter 53. So we find that he's quoting this passage about verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Now, I'm pretty convinced that what Philip did is Philip probably said, hey, listen, Just for a moment, I know you're reading, but I'm going to show you Jesus. Look at the verses in front and look at the verses after. Because here's what we read. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And Philip pretty easily from that point can go ahead and preach Jesus to him. You know, he could say, Hey, just a few months ago, There was a man who was pierced for your transgressions right here in Jerusalem on the cross. He died. And note this, that if you go a little further and look at the verses after, it says down in verse eight, he was cut off out of the land of the living. That is, he died. He was stricken for the transgression of my people. Philip probably said, listen, Jesus went through all of this for you. And he could have said, listen, it just happened. This The prophet Isaiah was writing 700 years ago, but he was writing 700 years ago about an event that just happened a couple months ago. Here's the point. Then he goes on to say, verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. He could have said, hey, you know, the will of the Lord was the very thing that Jesus wanted to do. And that's why Jesus said um, in the garden, Jesus said in the garden, Not my will, but yours be done, because it was the Father's will to crush him. And if the Ethiopian said, Why? Philip could have answered, When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, for the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Philip could have said, Listen, I just want to tell you that Jesus died on the cross so that your iniquities and transgressions would be paid for. And if the Ethiopian said, Well, how's that even possible? he would have said, listen, why did you go to Jerusalem? I went to Jerusalem because I want to be close to God and I, and I know I've done things that have offended God. We all agree. But guess what? Jesus in Jerusalem died on the cross and he had never sinned. That's why his perfect death can pay the penalty for your death and your sin because Jesus died in our place Peter, Philip begins to preach Jesus to him in the moment. It's providential. And it's also all about Jesus. The thing is, is that same message works today. And you are given a chance today to take that message to the people who are all around you. How do you not know that you are God's appointment? You are the person of God who, but the Spirit of God is using but to use the word of God to reach more people for God. It's you sharing the gospel. Now, for a moment, just take those communion elements that are in front of you. just want you to take them out for a moment. And just remember that this is an incredible, incredible message, that Christ died in the place of sinners, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our transgressions, our iniquities. And you'd think with such an incredible, incredible message that there'd be no way we'd ever forget that. But Jesus said at the Last Supper that he was going to instill this for us because he knew we would forget. In fact, if you just peel the top off of that and pull the little wafer out of there, just take that for a moment. And just know that this text, just hear it. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. The bread reminds us that his body went through physical pain, suffering, Stripes, whipping, bruising, bleeding. Because he was being punished for you and for me. So that we could have eternal life. On that night, Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and he blessed it. Maybe something like this. Father, we are thankful for this bread and what it means. It reminds us, because we need our memories shaken that you sent your son to pay the penalty for our sin. We're thankful and we remember you today as we take this. We remember Jesus. Amen. Let's take it together, remembering Jesus. The cup, likewise, was meant to remind that Jesus wouldn't only be beaten, but he would die. That's right. It is in the blood that the life is found, we're told, in the scriptures. And Jesus bled in such a way that it would symbolize for us his death, that we could pay the penalty for our sin through eternal death forever and ever and ever and never get it paid for, or we could come to Christ and know that because of what he did on the cross for us, we could have eternal life. He died in our place. And the scripture says that he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, take this in remembrance of me. Let's do it together. Here's the thing. The Lord's table touches all aspects of our memory. We taste it, we smell it, we feel it, we see it, we even hear it, right? It's a reminder that this is what Jesus did. And this is is what we need to tell others. Here's your final thought. Spirit of God ministers as the word of God is understood and obeyed. Remember, if you don't understand it, you can't begin to obey it. That's why Mark Twain once said, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. That's right. Because when God, when we begin to understand the word of God, then we know we have to do something. And that's exactly what the Ethiopian does. He says, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him right there. He said, listen, I believe. Can I be baptized? Absolutely. Let's be baptized. Now, just for a moment, understand the providence of God. They're in a desert, okay? The cart's moving along. The, ox is just, the horse is probably kind of just dragging along. Philip's up there sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, when the man says, I believe, oh, look, there's water. Okay. Providentially, right on time. That's how God works. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, see it again, carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Here's what I want you to see. The spirit of God uses the people of God who use the word of God to bring people to God. What about the Ethiopian? One writer has said, Later church fathers relate that he became a missionary to Ethiopia. Certain evidence dates the evangelization of the Nubian area. That's the area south of Egypt. Was, uh, the Nubian area was beginning in the 4th century. Archaeology church was beginning there. Uh, archaeology has uncovered a flourishing Christian community there between the 5th and 10th centuries. One is tempted to see the converted treasurer as at least planting the seed. Are you ready for this? The man becomes a Christian. 400, 500 years later, there's a thriving church there. You and I are a part of God's providential appointments. If you've come to faith in Christ, you're supposed to be sharing him because maybe if the Lord doesn't return a few hundred years from now, your influence in just one person's life may be changing hundreds, thousands of people's lives. It's your providential appointment, just like Philip had his. If the Spirit of God prompts you, then don't be bashful of talking and engaging with the other person. I'm going to invite our musicians to come. We're going to sing a song going out about Christ and all that he is. That's because I want, I want to send you home not only... Uh, remembering what the Lord Jesus did for us at the commun- through communion, but also singing about it as well. If you've never trusted Christ, it'd be a great moment to do that. The song itself is going to help you do that. It's going to remind you that it is only in Christ alone that we can be saved. So just bow your head right where you are and say, I'm giving up all the things I was trying to do. I just want to believe in Jesus. Turn from your sin, turn to him. It's that simple because the Bible says, as many as believed in him, that is Jesus, to them give you the power to become the children of God. For the rest of us that have Christians for a long time, we ought to wake up, okay? All around us are providential appointments. Don't miss them. Father, it's been a privilege to look to your word this morning, to be reminded of its power, to change us, to instruct us, to help us make connections with others to talk about Jesus frequently with those around us so that those who don't know could come to faith in Christ and those who do know could be encouraged to tell others. Help us sing with all of our hearts, Lord, because we recognize that it is through Christ alone that we... We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, about FBC.org or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible, Mullica Hill.